You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Come on. Uh, how are we? Good. That's good. That's awesome. So over the past month or so, we've been doing a series called Disney at Centro. So this is where we've been taking a look at several Disney films, learning what we can learn from the main characters and the stories. It's been phenomenal. But what I find interesting is that within these movies, there's always a structure that takes place. Who's here, who here has seen Frozen? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got a confession. I've actually never seen the full movie. I've, I've been super lucky. But for this, I'm going to use it as an example. So the structure, firstly, we start with the beginning of the story, meeting the characters and learning about the world. For example, the main characters, Anna and Elsa, in the kingdom of Arendelle. Then there's a conflict that takes place. The kingdom of Arendelle is frozen in ice. Finally, we reach a turning point that leads to the resolution. Anna, through an act of true love, thaws Elsa's heart, thus unfreezing the kingdom. Spoilers. So this is the general structure that takes place over a ton of movies and a ton of books. And if it's not in there, it's probably a documentary. And it's not interesting. Was that a bit too far? Um, But this also takes place in the Bible, which leads me to the title of my message. There we are. The God of a Better Narrative. See, within the Bible, we see the same process take place. The introduction of the characters in the world, then we see a conflict, and then we see a turning point. To show this, I'll take you through a quick history lesson to explain what the world was like during the time of Abraham in Genesis. So, feel free to call out. Within the ancient world, at the time of Abraham, if you were to ask people where God lived, where would they say? Up. Or the sky. And if you were to step outside in the daytime, what is the most powerful object in the sky? Yeah, pretty, pretty obvious. So, the thought process was that the most powerful object must be God. So, the people worship the sun. Makes sense. You see, these ancient people lived in what is now modern-day Iraq. So, they sacrificed to the sun in order to receive rain for their crops. Pretty self-explanatory. However, because they lived in what was modern-day Iraq, these people would end up sacrificing lots. Because there's no rain. And for those who were starting to die and really desperately needed rain, there was a thought process that arised. That if you sacrifice what was most precious to you, the God of the sun couldn't ignore you and would bless you with rain. And what was the most precious asset during that time? Yes, internet. I wish, I wish. No, I couldn't sacrifice internet for rain. No, it was your firstborn son, your legacy, your entire future. The people of the ancient world would sacrifice their children in order to be blessed with rain so that they they could grow their crops and survive. And we read in the book of Joshua 24, verse 2, Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. So we see from this passage that Abraham's family were actually idol worshippers. 
and they quite likely worshipped the sun. When we read in Genesis 22, it is no wonder then that when God asks Abraham to sacrifice his son, Abraham doesn't even put up a fight. He goes and does so willingly because that was the norm of the day. It was the narrative of the world that Abraham found himself in. A narrative that demands that you sacrifice what's most important to you. But, and this is the amazing thing and the thing that I love, God brings about a new narrative right then and there. God provides a ram. Abraham sacrifices this animal. God brings Abraham outside of his understanding, the understanding of the world at the time, into a new narrative that does not demand a child's sacrifice to please God, a better narrative. Moses. Moses grew up in Pharaoh's house. Pharaoh worshipped the sun god Ra. And how does God appear to Moses who had recently just killed a man? Burning bush. I don't know who said that, but well done. God meets Moses where he is at in his brokenness to bring him to a better narrative. And from there, Moses chooses this narrative and approaches Pharaoh several times to free the Israelites from the Egyptian captivity. Over and over, God meets people in their brokenness to bring about a better narrative. And I've personally witnessed this in my own life several times over. So I don't know if you can tell, but I used to be a horrible speaker. Uh, I, I like to think that I'm a bit better at it now. Um, <laughs> but I was so bad that during, like, we would have speeches at school. I don't know if you guys ever had speeches at schools. But <laughs> during the, I would go in during the lunch breaks to do them, to just the teacher, no other students around. And I would still be stumbling over my own words. And yet, here I am on stage speaking the word of God. It's great. God put me in places that would force me to grow, as he had a better plan for me to remain as a stumbling mess of a teenager. As a teenager, I was depressed. I was anxious. I was even suicidal in some stages. I had huge self-esteem issues. I often found myself crying myself to sleep at night. I was overwhelmed at every possible turn. But God met me in my brokenness, and he slowly started to change my narrative as I started to seek after him. I started to read my Bible, and I started to pray to him. My narrative started to change into that of a narrative of hope. God placed people around me who saw the best in me. God revealed to me how much I meant to him through the scriptures, that I was not forgotten, that he had a plan and a purpose for me, Jeremiah 29, 11. God had a better narrative for me. And if he had one for me, he has one for you. In just a second, Sky is going to come up and share how God affected her narrative. So you have something to look forward to. But before that, let me pose a challenge here tonight. If I had chosen to, I could have remained in that narrative of defeat, that narrative of depression. It was a choice. I chose to seek after Jesus. I chose the narrative of life. I continually chose that narrative. So, what narrative are we choosing tonight? Is it a narrative of selfishness, a narrative of pride, or is it a narrative of life? Maybe you're here tonight and you've recently done something you're ashamed of and you find yourself in a similar situation to Moses, running away. But let me encourage you. God is waiting for you with that burning bush encounter. He's ready to meet you in your brokenness to bring you to a better narrative. Choose the narrative of life. 
Jesus, his whole life was about bringing a better narrative to those around him. He healed the sick, he raised the dead, he fed the 5,000. Peter, a man who denied Jesus three times, Jesus turns around and Peter preaches the first message, seeing 3,000 saved on the spot. Paul, a huge Christian killer, Jesus meets. Paul turns around and writes a third of the New Testament. But most importantly, Jesus died in order to change the narrative of the world, of the world to defeat the narrative of death, to defeat the narrative of sin, and give us the narrative of life. So, maybe you're here tonight and you haven't heard of this narrative before. The narrative of a life that Jesus promises. Well, later on in the service, you will have an opportunity to respond to that narrative of life that Jesus brings and choose it for yourself. Well, thank you. to follow. Um, I'm going in a very different direction. Actually, not too far away from what Jaden was talking about. Um, mine's talking about winning the battle in your mind. So the subject on mental health. Um, so I like statistics and numbers. So we can chuck them up. I'll read out a few and they're a bit daunting. So 4.4 million Australians each year receive mental health prescriptions. Uh, 3.9 million Australians struggle with mental health. So if we break that down again, that's one in five over the age of 16. Um, And if we break that down again, that's over 65,000 people attempting to take their own life every 12 months. 36 people attempt to take their own lives each day and six of those being successful in death. So, I want to challenge you with fixing your focus. In our daily lives, we focus on our temporary anxieties and things that could happen or might happen, but not necessarily going to happen. And there was a quote from a journalist that said, what was your greatest fear in your life? And he said, my greatest fears were the ones that never actually happened. Which shows that we get so caught up in our minds about the things that could happen. When Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has its own anxieties and its own worries for itself. I remember when I was in my first year of nursing studies and I was doing a subject on anatomy. The worst subject, if you ask me. Um, And I struggled so much with it, like so much. I was so anxious about it. I ended up failing that subject the first time I did it. And the whole next year, I was planning my life on me failing it again. So I was worried about, you know, failing nursing for the second time. I'm going to quit nursing if I fail it. I don't want to tell people I failed nursing because nursing is all I want to do. And I was thinking of the worst case scenario. And I was so stressed about this and it consumed my thoughts all of the time. I ended up passing the subject the second time I did it, but I was so consumed with the what ifs. So many times we get caught up with the could happens, might happens, or what ifs, and we forget that we serve a really good God. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, 
for I have plans for you, declares the Lord, plans for you to prosper, not to harm you, to give you hope in a future. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, God has set eternity into man's heart. And yes, this alludes to the fact that we are eternal beings and we were made to exist forever, but we were created for much more than that. It's almost conveying that eternity is who we are. Yes, God created us to exist forever, but even more so, he made us in his image so that we think and feel in terms of forever and eternity too. The problem with this is that our earthly reality isn't eternal and it won't last forever. So this is what uh, Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, when he talks about anxiety. Therefore, don't be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow has its own anxieties for itself. Each day has its own troubles. The problem with anxiety is that we attach forever to the wrong things. In this verse, it talks about being anxious about not having enough food or clothing, and Jesus is saying, I mean, God is saying, Don't worry about these problems. They're not going to be a problem forever. This isn't Jesus disregarding your anxieties, but instead saying, place your ideas of forever in the right things. And that's why it says in the verse previous, but seek first the kingdom and the righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And the only thing that lasts forever in this life are not not the things of this world. So how many times do we get anxious about something and it consumes our thoughts all day long? The best news about that is that we know how to meditate. We're just meditating on the wrong thing. Until we recognize that peace only comes from Jesus, we'll continue to use temporary escapes for our real-life problems. So that leads to my second point in winning the battle in your mind. Prayer. So... Pray all the time. Pray in the morning. Pray when you wake up. Pray in the afternoon. Pray when you walk your dog. Pray on the toilet. Pray wherever you want. In Philippians 4, verse 6, it says, don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Tell God your needs and thank him for all that he has done. We need to pray. When we pray, we need to take off our persona. We need to be humble. We need to be the truest form of ourselves, and we need to prioritize prayer. We need to be disciplined in prayer. Instead of waking up each day, checking your phone, looking at Instagram or Facebook, it's so easy to start your day with all the bad things in the world instead of taking a moment to thank God for all the good. Thanking God needs to be the first step in all of our morning routines and put the importance back in prayer. Be diligent, persistent, and consistent in prayer in every season of your life. And Daniel reinforces this when he prayed for 21 days without answers before an angel came. For 21 days, he he waited for a prayer, for an answer, sorry. For 21 days, he waited for answers. For 21 days, he fasted and prayed. prayed. In Daniel 10, 12 to 14, it says, But do not fear, Daniel, for the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself to your, to your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. This isn't God saying that he doesn't know what we want or what we need, but instead God saying, put your dependence on me. And sometimes we're going in, we go through our lives and there's something going on in the spiritual realm and we don't understand 
but praying is the biggest weapon to fight this. When it talks about the armor of God, it talks about putting on the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, your feet fitting for readiness and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So praying in spirit is almost using your weapon against the enemy. And there's so much power in prayer. So I would like to share my testimony with you. Um, So I grew up in a Christian household, went to Sunday school, did all those things that a good little Christian girl did. (laughs) Um, But when I was 16, I was really struggling with life. I was struggling with where I belonged. My friendship group was changing. I changed schools. And that led to me falling into a really deep depression. And I decided at 16 years old, I didn't want to be here anymore. So I decided to make a plan. I knew that I had a 15-minute window when I got off the bus from school that no one would beat me home and no one could stop me. So I decided that Monday was the day that I was going to do it. I was going to get off the bus and I was going to do this plan. On that Sunday night, I said, if I'm supposed to be here, give me a sign. So Monday comes along, I got off the bus, had a crappy day at school, and I was ready more than ever to do this plan. I walked up the street, and in my driveway was my dad's car. I was so mad when I got there. (laughs) I was so annoyed that he ruined my plan that... I was like, okay, well, now I'm all ready tomorrow to do this. So Tuesday came along, and I got off the bus, walked up the street, and my dad's car was in the driveway again. Every single day that week, my dad got home before me. Friday night came along, and my friend Louis said to me, I really think you need to come to church tonight. You need to come to youth. And I was like, as if, I am not going. That is the last place I want to be. And he's like, no, no, you really need to come. He's like, I will come and get you if I have to. So I went, and that night at youth, I gave my life to the Lord again. And it's transformed me ever since. So I'm not saying, test God, don't do that at all. Um, But sometimes it feels like we're waiting the 21 days like David did. Sometimes we give up in that time. But sometimes something much bigger is being fought for us. Prayer can break the strongholds of things that seem impossible to break. And I testify to this because it literally saved my life. So to summarize on how to win the battle, fix your focus not on things that are temporary, but on the one who is everlasting. And pray. Pray every day. Pray every day with purpose and power and watch your life transform. So, I don't think I would do my message justice if I didn't give people the opportunity for prayer if they needed it. So, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I just want to know who I'm praying for. Um... So, if you're here tonight and maybe you feel like you're going through a storm, or maybe not even a storm, maybe it's just cloudy and you miss the sun, I want to give you the 
the opportunity to get some prayer. And I want to pray for you. So if that's you, if you just want to lift up your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Awesome. Awesome. Come. Lord, you see our anxieties and you see our struggles and you know what is missing from our hearts. Lord, I pray that you break the chains of these people who are have such strongholds over their lives tonight, Lord. And I pray that they are aware of your presence. Sometimes it might feel like that you are far from them and they just can't see the sun anymore. But remind them, Lord, that there is something much better and much bigger waiting on the other side and that you triumph against all evil. Lord, I pray that you are just with them tonight. And I pray that matter where they are, they see you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast.